Hey everybody, Tyree here with Before I Forget with my main man, Kevin. Say hey, Kevin. What's up, everybody? And we're here with uh, our special guest today, a friend of mine. You don't know him because he's my friend. <laughs> he's stupid. You might you know, him, know if, him if you follow boxing. You might know him. His name is uh, Staff Sergeant Javier Albanica. Uh, he is a reservist right now. He is a professional boxer right now. He's not active, but he has a record of 14 and 2. So he's fucking for real. And uh, he's going to talk to us today. So say hey. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Javier here. Uh, what's going on? Shit, chilling. What's up, man? Thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah. So, there are certain questions we ask for every show, kind of. And we're going to kind of take it back to the old school with our stuff. And I'm going to ask, what made you join the military? What made me join the military? Um, I I can honestly say that uh, I kind of always knew that I was going to join the military. I just didn't know when. Uh, I grew up on like army figurines, you know, love watching, um, any war based movies. And I always kind of knew like, oh yeah, that, I mean, I'm going to be there. You know, I seen like, you know, uh, full metal jacket and I envisioned myself in that line getting screamed at, you know, probably smirking (laughs) at a drill sergeant. So, you know, what is it about that movie that everyone has to watch before they go to basic? No shit. Yeah. They get, they get you mentally ready for uh, what you think is going to happen. The night before I went out, man, I watched that shit on the couch. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm ready. And it was nothing, <laughs> nothing like well, that. And, you know, and that movie is such a, um, it's such a uh, deterrent in some cases, and it like sets the bar way too high because we're not like that at all. You know what I'm saying? Oh. <laughs> and like, it's it's pretty bad. Like people be like, man, I could never do the military because I've seen Full Metal Jacket. I know how you guys are. I'm like, it's it's, it's not like that at all. Yeah, Javier, yeah. Uh, Kevin is a drill sergeant right now. He's in the reserves also. Oh, nice. I thought you oh, should yeah, know that. And, and, I mean, the transition from the military from uh from knife hands, you know, uh, certain verbiage has fucking straight like has definitely pulled away from that. It's more of a facilitating classes and. You know, um, you have to be very careful on what you say. Anything can be an EO or shark complaint. You have to be, you have, you have to yeah. walk. Into, you, you, as, I think as a drill instructor or NCOs, you have to walk on a very thin line. And you have to be yeah, careful. Yeah, anymore you, you do. Anymore yeah. you do, for sure, man. I mean, you know, and, and, and so, you know, Tyree and I were both loving Bravo, active duty, and then coming into the reserves, like that transition back then you know I, I came in reserves in 06 and like even back then that transition was very awkward because right? mm. I'm, I'm very used to like how we did things on active duty in the infantry and you know like you you know like in the infantry like we do things differently in the infantry than another unit might do you know like an 88 mic unit or chem unit or whatever yeah so like that transition from like like be locked up you know what i'm saying like you're gonna be at parade rest if you're talking to an nco you know that's just across the board you know blah 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 and all that stuff right and like to the reserves where it's like hey jim what's up man i'm like jim that's first sergeant <laughs> you know what i mean that's funny. oh yeah i think I, I think uh i can agree and everybody can agree it's a shock uh you know i was active for years so 11 charlie um and the same thing uh 
reserves you get out there and somebody addresses you you fucking lock up with a with yeah. a pop real quick and then everybody's like whoa 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 what do you mean like, i'm confused he's like no man you don't do that here and i'm like you don't do what <laughs> like you don't go to parade rest with the nco soccer team right. like that's yeah. crazy like, wait standard a minute. customs and courtesies just don't apply it's ca- oh yeah every day is casual yeah. casual day so well, it's even it's even more frustrating though when you are the NCO now, right? Because you know what the standard looks like, right? Having been infantry, uh, eleven Charlie, right? And then and then you come into the reserves and you are an NCO and you get these young soldiers. Um, I don't know what kind of unit you're in now, but like these young soldiers that come into the reserves and and then you know you have it's other NCOs that are saying no, whoa, 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 we don't do parade rest here. We don't we don't really do that here. You know, it's not really our thing. And then you have these new soldiers that are learning this like wrong way of being in the army, right. and it's just perpetuating the same fucking problem. They're like. We've talked about several times on the, on the show was that this the, the, the army leadership and um, soldiership in general is just going down fucking hill. Oh yeah, I've, I, I'm working at a schoolhouse now up uh, in Central California, and um, I see it there pretty frequently. I mean, you, if you feel like you have the you know the, the standards, basic soldiering skills, uh, the do's and don'ts, you know, don't walk with your hands in your pockets, you know, uh, addressing uh, another NCO or uh, you know just being in that. In, in that world and just seeing how these students that come come there they're so relaxed and i'm just kind of like like we're still all wearing a uniform like how how yeah. how like you should know like having your pockets your hands in your pockets or chewing gum or walking and talking to your cell phone or like big like i remember i used to get screams from like across the field hey, yo! i was like oh <laughs> shit in panic mode like what am i doing what i'm looking down at my uniform like what am i doing wrong i'm like my phone i'm like fuck yeah. yeah, and then now like everybody's so relaxed, so kicked back, and you know if you address, if you even you know tactfully make it a make a correction, hey soldier, uh, you know you can't walk and talk on your phone. People looking at you like, Dude, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? I'm like, like you did yeah. something still, wrong. <clears throat> yeah, we're, I was, we're active duty. Like we're you're active duty. You're you're coming to uh you know MOS school, and you're getting you change your MOS, and that's fine. But you're a student here, whether you're E six, E seven, E five. You know you got to set example for all these uh, lower enlisted here. I mean, yeah. if everybody fucking you know, no, uh, man, like I, I, so drill sergeant, right? And you got these trainees say at the the PX, and they're in there sitting there with their their AirPods or their whatever's in, right? And that's not allowed. Listening to um, Nickelback. Yeah, jamming out to Nickelback or whatever the fuck they're doing, and but you know, they, but they're doing it wrong, right? They're being wrong because they're they're not supposed to have those in a uniform. And I've I've even noticed like I'll approach them. I'm a drill. I'll be in my uniform. I have my fucking hat. And I'm like, hey, uh, I'm not supposed to have shit in your ears in uniform out here in bubble like this. I put that shit away, and I'll get looked at like I'm a, like I'm annoying. Like I just annoyed them. <laughs> you know, not not like Roger that drills aren't or you know oh, oh my bad I, did, I didn't know but like this motherfucker is really yeah. coming out here to tell me to take my airpods out half the nerve the, the audacity for I you to know. make a correction like do I you know, know how many instagram followers i have <laughs> <laughs> do you know who i am you know how many likes my tiktok just got <laughs> Exactly. First of all, first exactly. Of all. <laughs> I'm about to go viral, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> motherfucker, get your shit together. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. This so, is your drill sergeant. Yeah. So, did you join prior to 9/11 or, or uh, pre-9/11? Yeah, I, I joined 2005. Okay, so you had some time to think about it. 
yeah, I mean, and I was I, I was straight out of high school too. Okay, so you were in high school when nine eleven happened, or yeah. were you in eighth, eighth grade? No, yeah, high school. How, what, how did that go? What what was that experience? Um, I remember. I don't know if I was in school. I think I was on my way home, and when I w- rushed home, like I feel like it was like a numbing feeling because I felt like people they were driving or people they were like I was passing by stores and I see people watching the television, and like everybody had the same reaction of numbing, like oh shit, no way. And I was thinking like, what the fuck's going on? And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm rush home to see what's going on. And then I turn I turn on uh, TV and. And, you know, you see, you see the Twin Towers, you know, I think, I don't know if it was the first one. I think it was when I was watching it, the first one had hit or had already hit. And I'm just like, oh, shit. Like, what just happened? And, um, and then the second plane hit. And I'm, I'm thinking like, dude, we're getting, we're getting attacked. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, um, and I remember, I remember just, you know, I think I stayed in, I was staying in an apartment and just kind of like uh, going outside and then seeing like the commotion of people like, hey, come, come, come look, check, check, you see the news? And I was just thinking like, oh, fuck. And um, I, I didn't, at, when that happened, I didn't think like, oh, shit, I'm, I'm going to go join the military now today. I need to go sign up. But yeah, I figured you, as that was developing, I was just kind of like, Let's let's get ready, boys. <laughs> so, you, do you, do you think at that time that you you understood like the significance of, of that event? You know, no, because, definitely not. Yeah, definitely I, mean, I don't think, honestly, I don't think really anybody. I don't think really anybody expected it to last twenty fucking years. You know, no, definitely not. I mean, no, I mean, when that happened, I, I mean, nobody thought. I mean, it was kind of like, oh shit, we're about to go to war, right? Yeah. But it wasn't like we're about. Yeah, obviously, we're not going to be. We're going to be involved in a twenty-year conflict. So, I didn't know. How how, the, how grave the situation and how it was going to develop into what it developed, and I mean, I didn't know I was going to be in the military for the next seventeen years. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I you was going to say it's think. nothing that let you that that uh, gave you the idea that you know in a few years, just a few years after this, you would be in the military yourself, and that's kind of a you kind of a cool guess because you're one of the first folks who have a a, a large gap between nine eleven and. Join. when you actually join so yeah. um i'm not gonna hit you with the how did your family feel about it uh 9-11 and all that kind of stuff but i do want to know how they felt about you joining the military so many years later you know it's funny uh i didn't tell i didn't tell anybody i was joining the military i just kind of i was kind of new maybe they kind of was assumed that i was going to join the military but i didn't tell them when um I left the house, I think, at 17 and a half. My mom was imposing all these rules and regulations. She wanted me to pay rent and have a curfew. And oh, I was like, no. you know what? Fuck this shit. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> I'm here. He I'm like, the oh, up. no. Yeah, I was like, all right, good. I think when I left the house, I slammed the door. And it didn't slam right. So I opened it up again to slap him. <laughs> slap him <the> second time. <laughs> I was like, I'm dying. I'm out of this motherfucker. <laughs> and, uh... I think, uh, you know, being 17 years old, uh, not having graduated college yet, I mean, uh, high school, and um, I had this limb of time in between that and when I joined, where um, I was trying to figure things out myself and, um, you know, pay my own bills, food, um, work, and then, um, you know, manage myself. Mm-hmm. There I got in trouble a couple of times. You know, I'm a fighter, so, you know, getting fights here and there, left and right, um, well, the, the one of the biggest events that kind of probably pushed me more to uh, join the military was um, 
I think we were at a house party and like we got like jumped by like the whole party basically because one of my female friends got in a fight and everybody wanted to jump in. Um, and at that night, um, somebody's car got bashed from rocks and stuff like that. And I stayed to make sure that, you know, the person's car got the towed or he figured out how he was going to get it home or what have you. And then when um, paramedics got there, they see me standing by the car. Uh, they see, you know, the windows are all banged up and they assume that I was the one that, you know, bashed the rock, the windows in and stuff like that. Mm. I try to explain to them. They weren't listening. Suddenly the, the cops get there. They're talking to the paramedics and I'm thinking like, Oh shit, what's going on? All of a sudden the cops get there. They put my, put me in handcuffs and like, all right, you're going to jail. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> like I didn't, you know, this, you know, this car is important. So I don't know. They gave me some BS and I was thinking my life flashed before my eyes. I was like, dude, now I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I'm not going to be able to join the military. And that was like, you know, that's what my, I wanted to join the military. And I was like, fuck. And then uh, one of my other female friends, she came back and she cleared it up. She was like, no, he didn't do nothing. It was, it was, you know, the party that got crazy. So let me out of handcuffs. And I was like, oh shit, life flashed before my eyes. I thought I was about to go to jail. Um, fuck, let me get out of, let me get out of here before I get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And um, I signed up for the military and I didn't know with my temper, um, I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it through um, basic, you know, having people, three drill sergeants in your face just screaming at you because you're clenching your jaw or you look the way or something like that. And I was like, I, I, I think I got, uh, well, I got a 14 and 14 in uh, basic training. I, I did get in a fight hey, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it cracked somebody's head open. And um, <laughs> then he tried to hit me with a rifle. Long story short, uh, my uh, commander at the time was the ranger guy. Uh, he loved how athletic and um, I mean I was on top of my shit you know obstacle courses and he was like he's a good kid uh, you know shit happens he was like you know boys will be boys I got 14 and 14 but um, it wasn't until I graduated that I called my mom and said hey I joined the military Ooh. I'm here now I just graduated uh, you probably Dang. can't make it to graduation but I'm here wow, <laughs> going to man. South Korea in a couple months that's crazy, dude. Like you, that's different. Everyone else's parents had some kind of idea, at least. But you yeah. straight up uh, were done with basic. Who did you uh, write? What did you wait? Yeah, who did you write? Who did anyone know you were there? Um, no, I, I had a. <laughs> I think at the time I had a couple of friends that that I, like I party with that that were there at the incident that mm-hmm. I knew that had that I was joining the military because we like all stayed in. Like the like one condo or something like that. It was like fucking ten of us, and we're all paying for it. Um, uh, yeah, we, I don't know how we was eating, but uh, they all knew I joined the military. And I was like, hey guys, I gotta get out of here. I need to do some of my life. So they all knew. They were all. Some of them were writing me. Some of my close friends. Um, I think I had a sugar mama that was writing <laughs> me too. <laughs> Still sending me stuff. <laughs> so uh, yeah, maybe a couple of sweethearts. But, uh, yeah, as far as, like, family, nobody really knew, except my mom when I graduated. And what was her reaction of you uh, graduating? You um, did what? Yeah. She was like, wait, you're where? What do you mean you're in the Army now? <laughs> what do you mean you're about to deploy to, to Korea for about a year? Wait, she didn't she realize was, uh, you were going for 14 weeks at least? You know, no, because we weren't talking. Oh, man. We, we, we weren't talking. Beef. You know, mom was a... Uh, 
a headstrong, prideful person. So after I slammed the door twice and said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man now, she was like, okay, let, I'm going to let you figure it out by yourself. Mm. You know, don't, you know, and then my, me being prideful, I'm not going to call her saying, hey, uh, yeah. I need some money here. You know, hey, can I move <laughs> back? You know, I had to figure it out myself. Oh yeah, but I think I think that maybe in a sense I'm sure she was pretty, I'm pretty sure she was worried even though she didn't tell me, but uh, and I think in a sense she felt a little more comfortable knowing that I'm in the military and I'm not out in the streets drinking, partying, fighting, and doing whatever I you know. Um, I mean I guess it's not that much safer to have joined the, you know the military during war conflict, but kind of is what, what uh, it is, right? What, yeah. What made you go infantry though? I mean, did you do? Did you pick Levin Charlie? Yeah, no, no, I was infantry. infantry. Yeah, yeah, I was straight infantry, and I, uh, I didn't know that I was. I didn't know what Eleven Charlie was, mm. and so uh, I think our, uh, you know, because we we're we're in this, we basic training. I was at a uh, uh, Sand Hill. I was uh, first and fifties, uh, Foxtrot. Uh, I wasn't in, in the barracks. I was in the bungalows next to the obstacle, obstacle courses. I don't know if you guys. Um, uh, and I think uh, it was a, during uh, FTX because that's when the 11 Bravos and 11 Charlie split. Right. So it was FTX. It was like, okay, uh, you're 11 Charlie. You're going to be going with Joe Sergeant Mars to go over here. You guys are going to be doing uh, field exercise over here. And I was kind of like, wait, what's going on? I was like, why is everybody else going over here? And only like, you know, selected few are going over here. He's like, oh, well, basically when you join, uh, you did join as an infantryman, but you joined up as 11 X-Ray. Is your yeah. MOS when you join up. So basically it's where, you know, military wants to place you and the needs. So we need some 11 Charlie. So you're going to come in with us. And I was like, Oh shit. Okay. Um, for me, I, even to this day, I mean, I tell people, yeah, I'm an infantry man. Da, da, da. I got my EIB, you know, um, but, uh, I've been, I've been to, when I went to Korea, it was a mechanized unit and we were attached to a cap scout. So, um, we had one, one threes and, you know, obviously we didn't, we're not doing light infantry stuff. We're not moving, you know, um, we're doing gunneries for 45 days at a time. And yeah. that was, that was fun. Um, we was out there shooting white phosphorus, doing a little training before they, you know, took it off the market and took it off. But, uh, uh, I always kind of knew that I wanted to do infantry. I mean, I, uh, my, um, my GT wasn't that low. I think it was like 102, 103. Uh, I had other options, but, I always wanted to, you know, I want to kick indoors. Uh, I mean, I've never, I don't think I was ever scared. Like, you know, hey, we're doing this is a possibility, higher possibility of you, you know, dying or this or what have you getting hurt. I was kind of, you know, it was always ingrained in my head. Like, I want to be an amateur guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and we've talked about that with a lot of our, um, the dudes that we were uh, deployed with. It's like, you know, we asked them that question. Like, why'd you go infantry? And, a lot of them are like, I mean, what else is there to do in the army? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <clears throat> like nobody, nobody, nobody when they're a kid is fucking playing dental. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think, playing army. I'm, I'm going to be the dentist. Exactly. <laughs> and, and then also too, I mean, uh, I talked to the recruiter by myself. So, um, I didn't, I have no family in the military at all. So I really didn't have, uh, like nobody said, hey, you know what? Uh, if you want to join the military, maybe you should get into a job that maybe can transfer into a career, uh, you know, outside of the military when you do eventually get out. Um, I wasn't thinking about being in the military more than, you know, those four years that I initially enlisted. So, 
yeah, I was like, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't thinking like, oh, can I, do I want to be a cook? Do I want to be this? No, I was like, I felt like the only job that mattered to me at that point to join up for was to be an infantryman. Yeah. So, I mean, what did you, what was your plan for after the military then? So, I mean, you, you, you only wanted to do that, that first contract or whatever. Yeah. What so, uh, also too, also too, while I was there, uh, I was conscious too, before I joined, um, that through the military, you can try to like, you can try to go to the Olympics a little bit faster. I guess you, cause, uh, being an army boxing team, mm-hmm. you get, uh, you get placed in all the, uh, like the main events, like they're already like slotted to be able to go to and compete in those main events. So I figured through the military, I can maybe get into the, you know, to the Olympics. I was the Olympics, uh, I was a Beijing hopeful in 2008. Um, I didn't make it onto the Army boxing team. Oh. Um, after my first year, I uh, I was a South Korea Pens- Pensacola champion. I was whooping everybody's ass over there. Um, <laughs> then uh, I tried to get into the Army boxing team then, but uh, my my uh, platoon sergeant at the time hated my guts, and he was trying to get me kicked out of the military. A uh, uh, funny story uh, before I get to that. Uh, so my first day in South Korea, uh, I get there in the evening or whatever. Uh, I meet my platoon sergeant and he doesn't really give me too much info. I said, hey, these are the berries, you know, tomorrow morning, meet, meet us here. And um, I, he then he tell me that they have a uh, fire or fire alarm drills uh, either the first Thursday or the last Thursday of the month. So, you know, after he points me out to the barracks, I go to sleep and I set my alarm off for like, you know, four o'clock or something. And um, at three o'clock, I hear it with loud ass sirens. Right. So there's the war drills that they do just in case North Korea is attack, uh, attack South Korea. But I didn't know this at the time. So I wake up at three o'clock. I'm thinking at first it's faint. I'm thinking like, whose alarm is that? And I'm like, is that my alarm? I look at it. And I'm like, no, it's not my alarm. I hear how loud it is. And it's, and I'm just kind of like, oh, shit. I open the door to the to the dorm, to the barracks. And I see people like running out and BDUs, getting their rucksack on, like putting their stuff on in a hurry. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, try to ask me, hey, what's going on? I'm like, get your shit, get your shit. And I'm like, oh, fuck. You know, so I put on my gear, try to put on my gear. And I'm running out to the motor pool. And uh, I get to the motor pool and everybody like, you know, 11 Charlies, all the 11 Charlies, the the uh, the, the scouts are jumping on their Bradleys. Uh, the Char- the Charlies were going to jump on our 113s and everybody's loading up their, uh, you know, their 113s with uh, 50 cows or the 240s and everybody's loading up ammunition. And I'm just kind of here panicking. I'm like, oh, shit. I was like, man, my fucking luck, man. The first day I get here, we're about to get attacked by fucking North Korea. We're going to war. I was like, I'm fucking dead. Day Good. One. And then all of a sudden, index. I was kind of like, <laughs> what just happened? He's like, oh, yeah, nobody told you about the drill that we have every beginning of Thursday or last Thursday? Was, no, That's motherfucker. Fucked up, That's <laughs> fucked up. I thought I was going to die. That is fucked but, up. Uh, but getting back to uh, the Army stuff, boxing stuff, um, uh, the reason, another reason why uh, I was thinking about the, the military and why I wanted to do it was because I wanted to aspire boxer. Uh, I wanted to try to get into Olympics, uh, get into Olympics and competing for uh, you know my country. I felt like it was going to be a way to elevate my boxing career when I did get out. So um, I didn't. I wasn't able to get to the first year because my platoon sergeant hated my ass. But um, the second year when I got to Fort Stewart. Uh, they're all for me trying to uh, fight for the army army boxing team or trying to compete. So I did. Um, I went to Fort Huachuca to compete for the all army uh, boxing team to, for a slot. Um, I think uh, I lost like 22 pounds in like two weeks to try to make it because uh, mm. the 51, 152 slot, which is what I was trying to fight for, 
was already slotted by uh, Olympian, alternate, and somebody else. And um, there was like, well, we have a slot at 141. There's only you and the kid, another kid that's competing for it. If you can beat him, you get slotted. And I was kind of like, okay, I just got to lose 22 pounds in two weeks. It's kind of like, well, how bad do you want it? So um, I made it happen, and I beat the kid. Uh, I forgot his name, but um, beat him and got a slot on the Army boxing team. Um, I was stationed. I got stationed in Fort Carson. And, um, yeah, and then from there, I started going to all the, all the big competitions. Uh, I think I was ranked number seven a couple of, well, during the 2006, 2007. I went to nationals. Um, I got back from that. I think going to nationals qualifies you to go to the pre-Olympics. So um, I got back at that time. By the time I finished that, my unit had just got sent to NTC to go get ready to deploy. Uh, and then I talked to uh, my unit back home. And it was like, dude, you gotta, you gotta do that. You know, don't, don't, you know, you, you don't have to come with us. Uh, Colonel Adji, whatever. He just let, he gave you permission to go ahead to stay on the army boxing team to stay where you're at. So I was okay, fine. I'm gonna stay here. I'm gonna try to, you know, make it to Olympics, or I'm gonna try to go to the pre uh, pre Olympic trials. And um, what ended up happening? Um, so they were NTC. Uh, I needed to get some uh, paperwork done from uh, G1 to be able to stay where I was at before Carson. Um, I didn't have communication with the person that had the answers because everybody was in NTC training. So I had to deal with Rear D, and they didn't know what they were doing. So. Uh, Fort Carson, my my team was like, hey, we'll just go to Fort Stewart, fix that shit, and just come back. And I was kind of like, okay, cool. Uh, so you could, so I could try to make it to Olympic Charles. Uh, I went to back to Fort Stewart. Uh, I wasn't able to get it done. And um, I called the boxing team. They was like, well, you know what? You can come. You can come back. You know, get ready. You can be an alternate to an alternate, basically, and you can stay here in Fort Carson. And then I thought about it. That was an option I had to I had, and then I had the, the other one that weighed me. It was my last year, I believe, too. Uh, my unit was deploying, and I, that, at that moment, I felt like uh, I, I know you've seen three hundred. Oh uh, yeah. the, the one soldier with the patch that hey, nobody yeah. can tell a story more better than you can. I need you to do this to service for us, and I felt like I was gonna be that dude that got sent away or was doing something else instead of you <laughs> know fighting my brothers in uh, yeah. Iraq. So at that point, I decided that I didn't want to be an alternate to an alternate. I already had missed out on the pre-Olympic trials. So this was my last year in the military or active. So I decided at that point that I wanted to deploy with my, you know, my brothers in arms. And, um, yeah, and that's it. <laughs> you know, that's funny. Uh, we got we got hit uh, the first day out of the wire. Um <laughs> The second day we got hit again. This is coming out of South Falcon, uh, Jackson Road. I think it was Jackson. Um, I think the the second time we got hit, um, we had um, the center in front of us lose both his legs uh, with a concussion blast. Uh, the gunner was bleeding out his ears. I had to take this. I had to take his seat. And this was our second day. Uh, third day we finally make it to uh, our patrol base. And I'm burning shit with the fucking state GPA. And I come back to, you know, the huddle or whatever. And everybody's like, so do you regret coming back, coming here now? Yeah. <laughs> at that moment, I knew that maybe I had fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a great fucking introduction to war. You know, yeah. First couple of days getting fucking hit, blowing up, dude, losing his legs. And now you're starting stirring shit. You yeah. hadn't um, even gotten 
the shit out of your bee bag yet, and you guys are already yeah. fucking. Don't even know where your hygiene kit is. Yeah. No, my my platoon sergeant was like, "Man, fucking first day here, you already got your CIB, huh?" Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fuck, we were in country for uh, a month before, or three weeks before we had our um, first engagement to where we, you know, got our CIB, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I was back in '04 when you know shit oh, was yeah. happening all the damn time but like we were getting kind of tested like they were the way they were doing things they saw the new unit patch and we had more of a presence than the previous unit did um they wouldn't go out for 12 hour missions that you know like, like we did and, say, yeah, yeah, yeah so we were like, always we would, there and they would yeah no we were always in fucking town and you know and we were going out in company size elements at the time and so we had <clears throat> we had rotated one of our platoons out and traded them with a tank platoon so we had Abrams on mission every time we went out. Oh, so we shit. had uh, four Bradleys from one platoon, four Bradleys from another platoon, two fucking Abrams, and then um, all the uh, up armored uh, gun trucks from headquarters company. Um, okay, you fully loaded. All rolling out at the same damn time to go do a mission. And like, it, you yeah, know, that's I, really, it's huge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a whole lot of fucking armor and, uh, and, uh, and firepower. Which and, you is know, so crazy to me, like, all that stuff, all those people, all that equipment, why would you fuck with that? I don't know. Uh, I, I was just going to say, like, I think I think maybe that's why it took them so long to, like, like form an attack against us, because they were like, how the fuck do we hit this <laughs> ginormous wall of, of fucking steel? I mean, this and, is the Abrams himself. I mean, yeah. I said Abrams run over IDs and just, just keep on rolling. Yeah, what was that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Um, matter of fact, our, our first little anything, uh, well, we had an Abrams, it ran over, um, a, uh, what was it like a llama, like a pressure mine and blew off some track. And I think it damaged a road wheel. Okay. And, uh, and so what, what was it? one of the gun trucks that was right behind the Abrams, they were pulling the six o'clock security, which they shouldn't have been because my platoon was like, our, you know, tiring our platoon was like right behind them. And this dude just opens up on the 240. So the first time we get shot at, the first time I get shot at, was from one of the guys in headquarters, fucking platoon. <laughs> he was like, wait a second, why are we getting tracer fire? Yeah, <laughs> Do the bad yeah. guys have tracers? No, yeah. they don't have fucking tracers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's gay. What, but, uh, um, but yeah. Um, go ahead, Kevin. Mm-hmm. No, that's it. What uh, country were you at when you were in country? What country were you at when you were Where'd in country? Where'd you deploy country? to? That's funny. <laughs> Um, I was in uh, Iraq. I was um, South Baghdad, in between Sadr. We was actually in one of Saddam Hussein's little vacation house right across the Tigris River. Oh, um, so yeah, y'all had a real nice city place to stay at. Uh, well, no, headquarters was staying in the <laughs> headquarters was staying in the actual house. Uh-huh. We had to fucking we had we actually slept like for forty five days. Uh, on this fucking uh, hard terrain where we had to come bring fucking uh, cut these fucking trees down, fucking mow the, I mean, turn the fucking dirt and tree trunks out, and then we slept in the fucking three sixty perimeter for like first forty five days. Yeah, fucking made him fucking in a Humvee with fucking full battle rattle, fucking sleeping like this. <laughs> and it's fucking neck crank. I was like, God damn, no showers for forty five days too. So everybody fucking smelled like baby shit because everybody had little baby wipes. They were wiping themselves up with. It was hot as shit. So everybody sweating like a motherfucker. So it was, yeah, those those were rough. Forty five days, no showers. You just get the water bottles and just fucking. Yeah, 
Now you get real good. I mean, I used to tell people, it was like, I'm, uh, cause we, we would often go without showers as well. I mean, occasionally they would set up to like, they would bring in water on the fob if we were, if we were at the fob. Um, when we set up Yuvani, we had showers for a little bit. Um, and then water was cut off to it. I don't know why, but you know, a one liter bottle of water, like yeah. you would, you could, you, you learned to hit all your four essentials, right? <laughs> armpits, asshole, crotch, and teeth. Um, have enough to shave and brush your teeth and have a little bit to, to drink afterwards. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had some engineering guys. Uh, I feel like, uh, we had, uh, after like, you know, the first two months we had like, um, somebody engineering, like a little bag kind of sort of that we used to hang and, uh, we used to pour like the, the water there and then we used to like pull the little, little, little protection slit, little slide, pull yeah. it out. And the water would come through and it would have holes so it filtered down like a shower so everybody had like we had like a little shower set up where we I just had water <laughs> yeah we, we made our i think our own little gym at first we had you know i think people uh i think the order is what what was it called um this little oh a, a bow flex machine we ordered yeah. a bow flex machine we uh, we made we made it have we uh recreationally i was like all right what can we do to make this place better this is what this is all we got yeah yeah i can't think of uh Anything that we we needed that we couldn't make. Everyone in the infantry that I know of, any fob that they're at, there's always some shit that was just fucking put together somehow yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah. So it's some always cool to see that. Yeah. It's yeah. probably stolen. And, oh, don't forget the rippers. We had to have rippers. As long as we had, we had cases. We had we we didn't have food. We had uh MRE we had MREs for I don't know how long. Banana b- banana muffins, some getaway packages, and we Delicious. had cases of fucking rippers. Delicious. So we, didn't, we didn't have rippets over there. No, we didn't have rippets. No, rippet hadn't hadn't been a thing yet. Oh, hadn't happened um, yet. We uh, occasionally, so like on Brassville Mora, there was um like a little mini PX that they would stock a like oh yeah like once a month maybe, and Red Bull would come through, and so you you know people would go snatch that shit up real quick, and then. You know, hey man, like, I, I didn't get to the PX and get a Red Bull from you. It's came in like five bucks, whatever. Fuck off, man. <laughs> a pack of smokes. Um, but yeah, like we were pretty limited on caffeine, so uh, that's why we had like some people like apparently like ordering like ephedrine from fucking Mexico. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, do what you got to do, man. Hey, hey, you know I'm not lying. Uh, I know I've seen a couple people uh, order uh, get um, liquor sent on while I was out there. Yeah. I was like, well, we, had, man, I said, we, had, we had one I guy get. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. No, I used to, I used to hate going to, back to the fog. So we never went. We, I used to stay in the patrol base most of the time. We fucking, you know, uh, bottom of the bottom. You know, whenever we used to have uh, route clearance, maybe cleared route, we would have maybe high chowder once in a while, mermaids, and, you know, people would bring mail and stuff like that. But for the most part, we would go on like large, like dry spells where we didn't have stuff. And uh, I remember uh, anytime I went back to the fog, fog fucking. Man, these guys are eating four times a day. They're in the gym, getting big. That thing they had like a salsa night place or something like that. I was like, "What the fuck?" And then uh, I knew I knew the bell clerk, and the bell clerk is like, "You know, let me know. You know, if you need anything, I got you." And I'm like, "The fuck? What do you mean?" He's like, "You know, you need some liquor." You know, I'm like, "What the fuck? Your motherfuckers out here drinking? This whole time, y'all." <laughs> I was like, "I fucking hate your motherfuckers." <laughs> But yeah, let me get a little bottle of E&J. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> let me get a little sip of that. At first, we had people getting stuff in the mail. Um, they would put it in like like little serene bottles, right? They'd yeah. try and like hide it. 
And then at, at a certain point in that deployment, like people just stopped trying to hide it and just started shipping like actual bottles. Like Tyree here managed to bust oh, an man. entire bottle of unopened crown oil. No, no, man. That was Paul Masson. Oh, and it wasn't a man. big bottle. It was one of those little bottles you put in your back pocket, a little curved bottle. And okay. yeah, it was it was enough of a bottle that you fucking shattered it. Yeah, yeah, no. And the whole goddamn hallway smelled like fucking crown. And my gear smelled like crown because I had to throw it down and like soak it up as quickly as possible. So I'm walking around <laughs> with a poncho liner. I mean, I'm sorry, I fucking you know the uh, you DC Utah, wasn't it? Or your your Whoopi? Whoopi. Yeah, Whoopi. So I'm, I Whoopi. had that, and from then on, it smells like fucking Paul Masson, man. And I, yeah. I didn't get that shipped to me. That was somebody else. That was Griff. Yeah. 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 But no, a lot of dudes were getting stuff in the mail. I mean, there was one guy who uh, got a little bit of uh, a little bit of some some smoke in the mail. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, out there on the fob. He was telling me, I'm not going to mention his name, but he was telling me like he, he was out there, you know, smoking it or whatever. And that was one of the nights we took a fucking rocket. <laughs> So I'll be sitting there like mildly high and then this fucking rocket just comes in and like impacts like fucking 50 meters behind him. Mm. (laughs) He's like, bro. Maybe not a good idea to smoke weed over here. (laughs) That is so the fuck up real quick. Yeah, no shit. Oh, yeah. What's the point? And that would be one memorable smoke though, man. Like, remember that time (laughs) we 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 were puffing up and the motherfucking (laughs) rocket blew up behind (laughs) us? Yeah, man. I mean, That's, I mean, yeah, you get high, but have you ever got high in the war time, <laughs> war conflict? Yeah. Getting a rocket shot at you? No, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, give me a, a typical day out on patrol for you, you and your unit. Uh, Wait, what was your unit? Because you haven't even said, I don't think. Uh, uh, first and 30th. Okay. Uh, second brigade, second brigade uh, um, four story, static patch. Um, let me see. Um, Ali, I'm going to tell you something funny because uh, I know everybody probably had something similar or if not, almost the exact same thing happened. So um, remember I'm talking about, you know, rock clearance and how we can get a uh, hot chow every once in a while. And um, I forgot, I think it was around Christmas or Thanksgiving or something like that. They finally uh, got to us. I think they stopped somewhere along the way and they had to uh, get rock clearance to go and clear them. So I don't know how long they were stopped up for a couple of hours or what have you, but Nonetheless, they got this Thanksgiving dinner to us, which we were very grateful for, until everybody gets salmonella poison from it. What? So, yeah, I'm talking about, man, I've never, I've, I'm talking about people, like, it was like maybe two weeks, guys were just fucking shitting everywhere. You go to the little woody shedders, and fucking people just in there ripping ass. Mm. Whew, horrible, man. I don't think, myself included, um, I think one time out there, like, I burped and just throw, threw up. Fucking! I don't think I've ever like literally, literally like shit out of like piss out of my ass. It was just <laughs> ribbon, right? But so this is the funny part, right? So we 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 used to, we used to have uh, we used to do like 13, 14 hour picketing missions, right? Mm-hmm. And um, our mission was to make sure that was the city that you know um, we was um, we we took over not took over the city was uh stationed our patrol base was stationed to or next to we try to make sure that we deterred any type of uh uh terrorists coming and taking over because that's what they were doing taking over small little towns and you know using it as um bases to operate so we're trying to deter the insurgents from doing that so we used to do 13 14 hour uh picketing missions uh mind you we just you know some of is going around right so um 
we get there, we, we get position, T-bone, da, 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 we're patrolling, we're uh, picketing. And um, all of a sudden, over the radio, I hear, hey, uh, I'm going back to the patrol base real quick. And it's, uh, I think it was a lieutenant. I think it was our XO. I don't know who it was there. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm, go- I'm going back to, to post. You know, I got to take a shit. And I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. So he goes by himself. Usually you're not supposed to, you know, you can't just drive back by yourself in the Humvee or whatever he did. And then all of a sudden, my shit starts bubbling. I'm the gunner, too. So, you know, for the sake of God, my guys, I'm oh, like, man. you know, hey, pass up, you know, get on the radio <laughs> and let them know, hey, Thunder Six, this is so-and-so. Um, I got to go to the restroom as well. He's like, yeah, nobody's going to go to the restroom. Da-da-da. I'm just kind of like, fuck, I was like, you, you just went, you just went, <laughs> you just went, took one Humvee and went back to the fucking patrol base by yourself to go take a <laughs> shit because you got something to look like everybody else does, but I can't. <laughs> nope. So I'm kind of like, okay, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to try to hold this in, right? And we're already, I don't know how many hours we've been out there, and I'm pretty sure we got a couple more hours to go. And I'm the gunner, mind you, and all of a sudden, my shit starts kind of bubbling a little bit, you know? And I was kind of like, oh, shit. And I'm trying to hold it in, and, uh, you know, uh, everybody's kind of like, hey, man, did you shut yourself? And I was kind of like, no, man, I'm, I'm getting kind of close. And uh, I didn't have fucking, we didn't have toilet paper in the fucking Humvee either. Oh, so I was like, dude, I got to take fucking shit. And um, I think maybe like a week prior to that, there was a we had found a cache of uh, explosives, and there was a big ass, uh, big ass hole in the ground where it was at, and we were picking it right close to it. So I was like, dude, I'm just gonna go take a shit right there, and uh, didn't have toilet paper, so I had to get uh, everybody to get their MREs. You know, they have the little napkins in there, mm-hmm. so I had everybody give me the little napkins from the MREs. I accumulated like four of them, five of them. I went and took a shit in this fucking big ass fucking hole where we had to, you know, cache of fucking bombs or whatever. I'm fucking blowing my ass out of there. And uh, it was fucking horrible. Most fucking, I almost shit myself. And it would have been a bad fucking night. So that's one of uh, typical nights of uh, picketing in uh, Al Jabor is the name of the town. Al Jabor, South Baghdad, Iraq, where I almost shit myself. And I think a lot of people lost a lot of weight during that time period. And we were good with eating uh, MREs for next month as long as we didn't get fucking fucked up mermice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I would be perfectly fine with the damn uh, MRE fucking chili mac over yeah. uh, shit and pissing yeah. out my ass. That is out of control, awesome, man. Baby. I couldn't imagine going on a mission like that. Oh, yeah, man. And that pissed me off. I think all of it pissed me off more. It pissed me off more the fact that... Uh, my exo had gone back uh, to fucking base to take a shit, and I couldn't, and I almost shit myself. Yeah, but uh, that was you know, a fun time. It, it, that, I think that's one thing that I, I don't think a lot of people really think about. Like, I mean, because you're out on patrols sometimes, or you know, for eight hours, twelve hours, or sometimes it gets extended. I don't know if people ever really sit there and think about like that's something else that we have to deal with when we're deployed. You know what I mean? Especially, you know, considering like, especially like for units that are actually like, like for the infantry, like we're, we're out in sector. Like, it's not like our Bradleys or the Humvees or our fucking five tons or LMTVs have fucking Porta shitters in them. You know what I mean? Like you have to figure that shit out on patrol. So like there were several times where like we'd be out and somebody in the squad would have to go. It was like, Hey, uh, well, let's search that house right there. <laughs> it looks nice. <laughs> we would find like the nicest house on the on the block and and go do a, a random search and uh, yeah. just to use the facilities. Uh, we wouldn't really like overdo it. We most of us would be down there sitting there talking to the family, 
You know what I mean? While like the one person is searching. Trash in the bathroom. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they didn't even have, you know, so like, I don't know if other people know this, but like they don't have toilets, right? They right. have, they have the little, the little hole in the ground you squat over. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you, you know, so you know, they come back and, did you find anything? No, it's, uh, it's all good. All, all good. You know what I mean? It's clear. Like, all secure. Y'all, y'all, y'all have a good day. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, and then that'd be that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I can just yeah. imagine those families like afterwards, like, well, I need to go piss real quick. And it's like, oh my God, what the fuck died in here? Jalapeno <laughs> <laughs> cheese, Brad. What is, what is that? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, how about your experiences? I, I know that uh, whenever you guys went to like a town or what have you, you guys had to like build rapport with the villagers, right? Mm-hmm. And some of the things that they would do would be like have a sit down, you know, your, um, your platoon leader, what have you, your squad. There would be one squad that would go in and everybody else would stay mounted on the vehicles. And then you would go in there and have tea with them and then take the interpreter and have them communicate with them. Hey, what's going on? What, what do you guys need? Uh, have you got any information? We'll pay for you. You know, we just build a report back, right? I remember one time uh, we had did that and um, I was sitting there. It was my, I think it was my first time to go in there because usually they picked another squad, but I was happy. I was man, let's go in here, drink some motherfucking tea, you know, get my shit, put my fucking shit right here, give me a little tea set up. I was like, yeah, hell yeah, give me some more tea. And this, I think this is the, vill- the village elder. So um, he wanted to cook for us. And I think that he oh, had no. a, cook, I don't know, chicken and like maybe, I don't know if it was lamb. I don't know what it was. And I think I got the chicken. And I was like, man, the chicken was pretty good. They, I think they seasoned it with like some, like the salt, like you can see the salt grain on the on the chicken. I was like, man, this chicken is good. I ate it, and then um, as they're we're about to leave, we're, we're, I, I go outside and I see um, I don't know if it was the female, I don't know who was washing dishes, but they're washing dishes in this little tub of water. And then I seen the guy, one of the guys, going there and put his feet in this in this water thing, oh spit. Spit fucking blew his nose on there and then fucking rinsed his hands off, you know, cleaned his hands on his dress, whatever. And I just kind of think about it for a second. I was like, wait, those are the same dishes that they just used to fucking cook our food. Oh, yeah. And I just seen this guy dip his toes in there, oh, blew yeah. snack rockets in there, fucking mm-hmm. spit, wash his face. I was like, oh man, all oh, that extra flavor. <laughs> <laughs> that's never, that extra seasoning that's yeah, yeah that's that's the extra seasoning man from there they yeah. on in they say oh you guys want to go in there and meet the i was like no i'm cool i'm, I'm just gonna stick to the to the to the tea i'm gonna say shoot ground and i'm gonna fucking step out yeah <laughs> it, i did the same thing I, I figured the tea would be hot enough that it would kill the germs so that might be good yeah. uh, <laughs> but i dabbled into the bread from time to time yeah, and, and that was a, that was enough for me to, to chill out. Like, I think I think I ate meat like once from one of those no. little little uh, little, I don't know, little yeah yeah yeah. Well, I mean, this was a store. I think it was just like some dude with a cart oh, with no. like sticks of oh, meat. Shit. Yeah, so there's no telling what it was. You know, it's like dogs there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, a lot less dogs out this last week. Yeah, you want dog on a stick? Mm -hmm. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but um, yeah, we 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 mostly stuck to bread. I I I think even there was even a rule in place at some point where like it was like you don't don't sit there and we don't eat the meat or anything that they have to like prepare. Like bread is okay because they probably can't poison the bread, which I guess like. I guess they fucking could have. But. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking uh, that wild, man. Good. They didn't like, have man, to. I'm gonna keep that yeah, man, you fucking got it. Uh, they didn't have <laughs> to tell me, like, hey, don't uh, eat that shit because I'm not going to eat it, dude. Like, 
the tea and then like i said i ate the the fucking bread maybe like the last two months we were there and then there was also a chocolate candy that was wrapped up yeah um it had some kind of like gooey chocolate in the middle and it was uh like a wafer i don't know if anybody remembers that it was oh that sounds kind of good oh my god I, well, I, I, give, I, I give little kids on the street like 20 bucks go give me as many as you can and that's a ton of money yeah. then then you know oh, what yeah. the fuck am i gonna do with the money so they bring well, what about what about your experience with those kids um i know that uh whenever we did our patrols they're always mason mason chocolate chocolate they always yeah, wanted yeah, chocolate yeah. is it mres had either tootsie rolls or m&ms or something so I, I remember these kids they would always like, made a chocolate chocolate and as soon as we didn't have it or, hey wave them off we ain't got it they'd flip us off or throw rocks out of stuff like yeah. so much <laughs> yeah um, you know so we deployed to Kosovo in 2002 and then Iraq in 04 and it was really interesting two different places two different people um, the kids were exactly the same like interge- <laughs> interchangeable they could have been the same fucking kids you know exactly what I mean? yeah. the same because I mean they always had, they, hey mister uh, yep. Give me chocolate. Um, give me water. Uh, it was always give me, give me, give me, right? Give it was always, hey, mister, give me this, give me that. And um, Kosovo, some of the dudes were a little, some of the some of the guys in platoon were kind of assholes about it. Um, but in Iraq, uh, fuck, we used to we used to even go on these missions, right? So it was like part of the hearts and minds portion of like the whole reason we were there. Like we would get, you know, like 800 dinar and we'd have to go out to like buy fucking shoes right and we'd go buy up all these shoes and then we'd hand them out to kids and i remember some kids like coming up and getting kid, uh, shoes and then taking them and you'd watch him he'd run and stash them behind something and come back and, hey mr mr give me shoes you know what i mean like he just yeah. it's, um, he's like oh no no those are for my sister you know um we used to go buy soccer balls for him oh, nice. um so we would do shit like that and it was it was pretty cool i remember i gave a kid um an unsharpened pencil it's all i had on me right and yeah. he was like uh like he, he's like, give me something. I was like, I don't have chocolate. I don't have anything. So he's give me something. So I gave him an unsharpened pencil that I had. I mean, I have no idea why I had it, but dude, that kid lit the fuck up over an unsharpened pencil. Like probably doesn't even know what the fuck it is. Education, right? yeah, baby. He can go write something now. <clears throat> right. Well, it's not sharpened either. You know what I'm saying? And you think he's got a fucking sharpener at home? You'll figure it out. Right. You know what I'm I mean, it's I guess he could rub it on the ground until the graphite shows. It's, but. A, it's the struggle. Right. He's going to have to fucking take it. You know, every, not everything can be fucking great. You got to struggle yeah. a little bit. So he got to figure out the sharpening. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, yeah. he was so excited over this unsharpened pencil, man. It was like I just handed him the keys to his first, you know, Ferrari. Mm-hmm. You know what uh, I mean? I, and I feel like uh, how I don't know how how it was for you guys, but um, I feel like uh, we transitioned obviously from uh, you know search and destroy type stuff and finding surgeons and deter and caches and I think we had sons of sons of Iraq where that we had them helping us out and then we would pay them and it was probably them that was planning the cache. But um, towards the end of our uh, tour, we definitely went more to the humanitarian role where we was uh, you know like put electricity on water and uh yeah some of these i mean there a lot of these p- villages or places we was at they're very grateful for you know for us being there yeah. um and they definitely were scared when we were leaving because they felt like oh shit like you, if you guys don't stay here you know they're gonna come back and fucking take over and destroy everything that you guys basically just created and probably fuck us up for helping you guys out yeah. right so you guys really did have a really strong bond with the folks that you're uh patrolling 
we did towards the end a little bit. In the beginning, I felt like it was a little rough mm-hmm. because, you know, we get there. They did probably have a bunch of surgeons, you know, s- like spread out through the whole village. And, you know, they were basically, they were getting, you know, hey, either either they're getting paid to shoot at us or or getting threatened to shoot at us, not killing their own families or what have you. So they kind of didn't have a choice. Some of them, I feel yeah. like they were forced to do so. And I know we got a, when I was there, we had a couple of missions as 11 Charlie where we were, you know, shooting, you know, we was, we had a couple of fire, uh, um, I'm sorry. Uh, we had a couple of, uh, missions, fire missions. There we go. We have a couple of fire missions and some of those missions that we had was basically, Hey, there's a father and a kid shooting at us with a mortar. We have to, you know, destroy the target. And then you're thinking like, man, like what pushes or what motivates, you know, a father to say, Hey, we're going to go and shoot, you know, these Americans with mortars and stuff like that. And half the time was because they, you know, they hate us and we're the, you know, their enemy, but the other half was because they were forced to. So that was always kind of, you know, the sucky part of, you know, I guess it's the second part of war, right? It's just, you know, yeah, it is what it is. So psychologically, how did that, how did you deal with that? Um, or was it even the, something the, that you had to deal with? Yeah. In the heat of the moment of when shit happened, you, you, you really don't you like, I feel like we had, it was nonstop for us. Like, I think we, there's days, months and we would get like three hours of sleep. We picked it for like 12, uh, 12 hours then come back. And it's like, Hey, Monica, you got a, you got a tire guard for four hours. And I was like, dude, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, so our fucking, we were under stat, under, under man at first when we got there. So we had fucking shitty ass fucking day. So whenever anything happened, uh, we didn't really have time to process it. Basically, uh, it would be like, "Oh shit, do you hear?" Like you know, during uh, say talk guard, you switching over. Hey man, uh, did you hear about this fucking mission happening? Apparently, uh, they you know, a couple of guys got blown up. Or oh hey, uh, you know that mortar we dropped? Yeah, we you know accidentally killed like a family or something like that. And it was always kind of like, "Oh shit!" But we would go into the next mission and not really have time to process it. Now. Like I think it took me like maybe a year after coming back out after the point after come back um for me to kind of start slowly thinking about it and like like damn mm. that's fu- like yo that that was a fucked up situation or that man that sucked I didn't even like why am I why did I not even think of, I didn't even think twice about it when it happened I didn't really bother me none and now that I'm home and I'm kind of sitting with you know some of these thoughts and memories that I had from those events that I'm kind of like. Like, fuck, man, that fucking sucks, bro. Um, and then, you know, everybody, all my buddies that I deploy with, you know, they're all over the States. I can sometimes, sometimes, you know, talk, talk, I'll call somebody and see how they're doing and, and how they're managing and dealing with certain things. And we all apparently have the same type of a reaction or, you know, to, to things that we went through because we all dealt with them slightly differently, but almost the same way. We, some of us got back home, got DUIs, um, Either married, got divorced, like, and it, it is all due to, I think, the infantry mentality. And I talk to people even now, especially during, like, you know, we have like our suicide prevention, what have you. We talk about um, how important it is to be able to reflect on those things and be able to talk it out, even if it's with your own, uh, you know, buddies from when you deployed or whatever, because um, a lot of people were kind of numb to it, per se. And I think the infantry mentality of, uh, you know, ain't nothing, nothing's wrong with me or, yeah. um, you know, anything. If, if it's like you go to, you go to, um, you go to, uh, 
to the to the two to the two base station, right? Because you twist your ankle or you, just, you hurt yourself. Everybody's looking at you like you know, uh, bluebird, like broke bird, like all right, man, like you know, you're really not that. It's not that serious. Like you're just trying to get out of doing some work or some bullshit. Yeah. So that mentality from when is ingrained in you from basic training on to you know you get out of the military is nothing's wrong with you. You know anything if you demonstrate a show or you speak about anything being hurting or. Is, it's kind of looked at as weak as per se. So mentally, you're kind of program program like that. So you don't you think nothing's wrong with you, nothing's wrong with you. But then the thing is, is that shit. When I got home, I fucking blew through all my Iraq money <laughs> within the first couple of months. I got a DUI. I was probably getting fights every weekend. Um, um, relationship with family was a little, you know, it was a little turbulent. And it it kind of got me to finally. I think my DUIs with finally got me to, like wake up, uh, hit another car. I was drunk. I thank to God I didn't hurt nobody else. But um, I woke up in jail. I didn't know what happened, and um, I have this pink slip saying that my bill is like you know a certain amount of money, and I was like, oh shit. Everybody's talking about hey, what you in here? What you in for? And I'm like, I'm here for this. How much is your bill? It's like, oh shit, damn. Did you hurt somebody? I was like, damn, that's a lot of money for uh, DUR. And I was like, I mean, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> and um, that moment of not knowing if I hurt somebody or, you know, and just thinking about like, fuck, my life just flashed before my eyes. It's one of those like, uh, before the, joining the military, like, oh shit, you're, you're, <laughs> you, yeah. you, you fucked up. Your yeah. life has just changed for the worse. Good job, you dumb motherfucker, mm-hmm. you. Look where you're at now. Why did you have to learn the hard way? Why did it have to come to this moment for you to say, oh, shit, maybe I do have a problem. Maybe I have been drinking a little bit too much. Maybe I've been trying to numb myself for so long without thinking about certain things. Uh, maybe I do need to talk to the therapist. Maybe I do. I, I, I need I need help. I need, I, you know, but it took me all. It took all of those things and that one moment for me to be like. All right. Um, if I can get out of this, I'm a I'm gonna do everything in my power to try to you know help myself out. I'm gonna seek help. Um, I'm gonna stop doing certain things that's you know adding adding more than you know I need to have that I can handle. Um, my the way I've been thinking about it, the way I've been dealing with it, is not it's not you know it's not helping me out. Yeah, yeah. that's but, that's heavy, man. I mean. You go through so much to get to where you were at that point after that deployment and then fucking DUI. Like, uh, and when you wake up in jail on top of that, like, what the fuck happened? Like, oh, man. Like, that's one of my fucking fears, uh, or it wasn't one of my fears. I never drink and drive now, but when I was little or something like that, getting hit by a drunk driver, man, fucking terrified me. Now to this day, even fucking scares me to death so if y'all are out there drinking and driving man stop it because nine times out of ten the person who was driving is okay in the accident but the people who they hit are all fucked up so at least think about the folks on the road before you fucking do that we got uber we got lyft we got hopefully you got a friend you can call maybe uh No, it, it, especially Uber nowadays, I feel like there's no excuse for you to get a DUI now to endanger your life and then everybody else's life. Like when I was when I uh, got my DUI, there was no Uber at the time. There was still taxis, and I could you know call the taxis just the same. But I feel like now Uber, Lyft, there's so many ways you can you know if it's, it's gonna cost you fifty dollars to get home, it's better than ten thousand dollars that it cost me for a DUI. Damn. Yeah, ten thousand dollars and potentially some of somebody else's life and or yep. your own. Yeah. <clears throat> 
So I mean, so that's a big thing, though, right? So whenever you're talking about like all these, like you're talking about like self-destructive behavior, right? And kind of unknowingly um, going through these motions. Um, like I was real bad about it too. Like when I came home, um, so we went from Iraq in February of '05 to Germany, and then back home. I was home June 1st of '05, right? So from February, like, and like we were in firefights and shit up until the end. So we didn't really get a chance to do humanitarian stuff. I mean, we did littered throughout, but like oh four oh five, man, it was just the wild west. Like so we were in yeah. firefights up up to that last week we were in the patrol base in town. Um so we're in we're in fights and then bam Germany bam home no military support like no no um no veteran community to fall back on no awareness at the time of PTSD um, I had an uncle who was in Vietnam in 68 who um, I had spoken with and he was like, these are some things that you're about to feel some things that you're about to experience. Um, here's what worked for me. Here's what didn't work for me. I mean, some of it was bad advice cause he was definitely kind of mad at the VA um, in general cause the VA had not been right. uh, revamped like it has been since then. Um, but like, so more or less like we go from combat operations to home within a matter of months and then, and then um, I remember when we came back to Germany from Iraq, part of our um, in processing back into into Germany or whatever um, was the you know the the, uh, the medical stuff, and they'd ask you, um, "Do you have PTSD?" And it's like I don't I don't know what that is. And she's like, "Well, if you don't know what it is, you probably don't have it. But if you do have it, any symptoms should subside within eight weeks." Right. Awesome. Great. So even if I am, even if I do have this thing, these four letters, I'll be fine in two months. Perfect. Whatever. I'll deal with it then. And, um, you know, here we are fucking 17 years later, 18 years later. And, you know, now we, now we know what PTSD is. So in in the past we knew it was shell shock and, 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 and all these other various terms from Vietnam and Korea and World War one and two. And now we know it as post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and then there's different degrees of it and different variations of it. So we know more about it now. Right. Yeah. And we know now, um, I mean, in, in a lot of this stuff, we, it wasn't, you can say thanks to social media, I suppose, because it, it you have these, uh, these, these, these communities of veterans who are putting the word out there and being like, look guys, this is something that we have. This is something that we deal with. You are not alone. Um, this when they came out with the 22 veterans a day, which by the way, I don't know if y'all have heard the latest numbers, but it's double that now <clears throat> it's 44 a day is the average 44 God, veterans a day commit suicide. Um, <clears throat> so the problem is continuing to get worse. And, um, and that it was, it's crazy because we know more about it now. We know, we know way more about post-traumatic stress disorder. We know way more about the effects of it. We, we, we know how it's caused <clears throat> or, that it can be caused by anything that the uh, person perceives as traumatic <clears throat> and people are still just not going out and seeking the help that they need. Right. And so they're, they're out there engaging in these self-destructive behaviors, drinking driving, fighting, um, you know, and, and turning drugs. into uh, yeah, drugs. Exactly. I mean, a lot of these things, and then they're just fucking dying from these things. Mm. Um, you know, uh, it, and it, it's, it's fucking sad. And, they're not going out and they're not getting the help. And, you know, like, cause I, I was kind of the same as you, right? Like I didn't end up, I didn't get a DUI. I wasn't arrested for anything like that, but like I did have a few instances where I had like run-ins with the police 
fortunately they were under understanding um of the situation and um but like i did have a handful of events where i was like and like you look at them after the fact and you're like fuck man like that was dumb that was insane that i did what i just did um i need to quit i need to figure out my life and you know sometimes Times you'd slip up and you'd end up right back there and you're like, fuck man, okay, back to square one. But like, let's, let's continue to do it. But I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I, resiliency, I suppose, you know, this urge to, to want to be better. This first of all, understanding and accepting that, yes, there is something wrong with you because like right. you said, the infantry mindset or the soldier mindset, you know, I'm this big, you know, tough badass, and there's nothing wrong with me and I can handle anything. And, Oh, I've been through worse or I've gone longer. I've, I've gone, you know, longer awake on less sleep and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I can handle this. And these are all self-destructive behaviors. We're not taking care of ourselves. Um, so I think in the last like 13 years or so, like I've taken way more of an interest in my, in my health, um, because of a lot of this stuff, right. Cause I, I don't want to feel like shit. I don't want to feel bad I, I don't want to like get shitty sleep when depression uh, yeah. Yeah. kicks in to, and i feel like too what, what it is is that that transition period right um you you go you're deployed for 15 months um and you live every day like it might be last day right like you ids yeah. you just run across the id there's no control for that firefight at least you get a shoe back but you you live every day like man this might be my last day which i'm pretty sure you guys had days where you're like fuck yeah. if i get by to today then then tomorrow be another day and every oh, yeah. day it was like one day at a time and there's you live but you live like that for a certain amount of time while you're deployed so you're home that mentality kind of stays with you a little bit like Today might be my last. It's not because of course your environment is not. You're not thinking like that. It's not the same dangers, but you your actions kind of kind of do yeah. come out like that. Like this, my like I said, I blew through all my money. I was fighting. I was drinking. I was. I wasn't thinking about. It. I was like today was the only day I was thinking about, and wasn't. I didn't have a a good um, outlook on the future a little bit because I wasn't looking for the future. Um, now uh, I know that things that helped me by, I, I, I did the VA. I, I've went and I sat there. I've done group therapy. I've done different things. And, um, and sometimes I just either couldn't not relate to, or I maybe wasn't a mindset to, or I wasn't open to it. Um, but I, I tried, um, you know, I got, I got myself a dog. I feel like a dog helped me a lot. I had a Doberman. I love the shit out of this dog. Um, that kind of helped me a lot. Um, Cause then I had to care for somebody outside of myself. Yeah, I knew I, had, I got to walk this dog. I got to care for this dog. I got to take him to the park. I got to. It was like you know I had I had to live for something outside of myself. Um, I, I went back to the boxing gym. I uh, I was all right, man. What are your dreams? This is what dreams is. Then go out there and you know apply full pressure on it every day. Uh, don't let your dreams slip through your hands because of you know your mental handicap, which enables you or prevents you from doing what you want to do um family uh try to get closer to family i felt like that was another thing that that's huge is that a lot of veterans don't have a a strong support system Mm. and um and how can you try to explain something to somebody that's never experienced what you experienced can't understand or see why you're kind of going through this it was like i felt like that was very challenging for me because how can i tell like hey, you know, sometimes every every once in a while, I do have little night terrors. You know, cold sweats, whatever, from dreaming about a certain event that happened while I was deployed. Like 
I can try to paint the picture as much as I can from for them to see like, man, that is pretty graphic. That is kind of why, you know, you're kind of messed up or you can't, you know, but you can't. So it's they can't then feel not, that. They not can't kinda, feel it. Yeah. So so then it became I'm not trying to draw a picture for them to understand me, but um, I'm I just, you know, if just being there with them or, you know, being around them or, you know, maybe doing something for them kind of helped me say, OK, you know what? Um, I, I have family. I, I have friends. Uh, I can always call one of my ba- my battles back home or back wherever they're at, and see what they're doing, and try to help them if they're going through something. And doing that slowly but surely started kind of helping me out. I also joined um, a program that helped me a lot too. It's called the uh, Saw. It's kind of like the Wounded Warriors Project, but it's called the uh, Save a Warrior. And um, it was a uh, it was actually started by uh, Jake Clark. He was a uh, FBI slash um, he was a police he was a police officer or chief I don't know if he was made it to chief but he was a police officer I forgot uh, what his rank was and um, he all, he was also in the military so he he started this program to help vets right and um, I like the Wonder Warrior Project uh, we did like a, a question like with animals we did a um, we did like group group therapy we were able to kind of you know spill their shit out there and say hey man man up this is what's going on this is what i'm going through um that kind of helped um we did variety we went pet um well we went and um like petted like wolves and these are wolves that people try to domesticate a little bit and they either snapped out like snapped out them or whatever it is and then obviously like you know some people just had to give these uh wolves up so these are kind of like uh wolves they were kind of um not broken, but basically get, got therapy and got, you know, got the location they needed and housing and they were able to, you know, rehabilitate these wolves basically. Mm-hmm. So it took us there to go see these wolves. It was pretty neat because some of these wolves are scary. I never knew how scary these wolves are. Big black, all like all black wolf with yellow beady eyes. You're like, oh, she's going to turn into a damn werewolf or something. Can't get thrown <laughs> type shit. Big ass fucking yeah. dire wolf. But, uh, I did. I did that, and uh, and I think being around other veterans that were going through the same thing, they were having similar issues, similar problems, kind of lets you know, hey, you're not by yourself. Other people are dealing with these things just like you are, and it's okay to need help. Yeah, and I, I I did that. Um, also, too, I think uh, MVP. I think it's um. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't know if you heard of MVP? Yeah, yeah we, we had, had them on the show. show. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. nice. Yeah, so I've I've I did I did that for a little bit, and it's it's nice to all of a sudden jump on a uh, on a Zoom call with them, and uh, you, you got a you know like your favorite Steeler football player in there or something like that as a spokesperson. He was like, "Who's <laughs> that?" Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, but that also too the the group of um, soldiers, vets that are going through the same thing, and then you have people that you know these uh, athletes that have their own mental struggles or issues and you think like these are the athletes that you see every day that have money that you know coaches and stuff like that they think they have all the answers and you know we put them in a high pedestal and um they have issues too so having the interaction with that kind of helped too and mm-hmm. those, are, those are some of the programs that i've joined but also i think it's important for for people to be aware of these programs and to know hey it's not a it's not a cheesy kumbaya circle of people holding each other's hands and doing you know yoga or whatever uh-huh. and I mean, if that, I mean, <laughs> it's not that. It's it's more than that. It's more. It's more about. It's a brotherhood still, and just because you're not wearing a uniform or you're not wearing a uniform as much, mm-hmm. um, it's it, it's it helps you bond and 
connect and it's always fun sometimes to go back to those stories of hey man yeah i don't know if it happened to you but i got similar poisoning or or this happening and you share those stories and you know yeah i feel like it helps you heal okay yeah as, as so, I, was, I was gonna say it's like um when i when i had spoken to my uncle uh, he was like man like don't do the group therapy thing right because all it did for me was uh, you know just, i'm just retelling these fucking stories and i was reliving this shit and this is have more nightmares and just making shit worse so i just stopped going i was like yeah i'm not gonna do that either that sounds dumb um, and then, you know, it gets to the point where like, and so I didn't really talk a ton about any, anything really. I mean, stuff here and there. Right. But like nothing, none of the major stuff, none of the bad stuff. And, um, you know, Tyree convinces me to come into the reserves. I was already looking at wanting to come back anyway. I was going I was thinking about going back to active duty and going to the reserves and I come into this drill sergeant unit. And then <clears throat> fast forward some time later, um, 2009, my first time on the trail and 2009, dude, like after training like these, these soldiers were deploying like an average of like 60 days it's so, like two months after completion of ait they were off so afghanistan iraq wherever the fuck right and i took that shit personal i was like fuck dude these these dudes are not going to get any like real world training any combat training and so like i gotta like i gotta give them everything that i have and that made me talk about shit more and i was like fuck man here i am talking about this stuff that like i don't want to talk about and it did help a lot right yeah. Um, and a lot of these programs you're talking about, like saw wounded, I think wounded warrior was in like inf- in infancy at the time. Uh, MVP wasn't around. So there wasn't a lot of this stuff at that time. Um, but we're, we're definitely seeing a lot more of those come up. And, uh, and that was one of the things we, when we, when we did talk about MVP, that the, 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 what you're talking about, like everybody has problems. We want like community outreach. We want to get with people. We want to, you know, make it more aware, uh, because it is so stigmatized, right? Like mental health. Right. It's like, oh, well, I mean, you break your arm. He's like, oh, you broke your arm. You break your brain and nobody's like, oh, you broke your brain. You know, it's just fucking tough it up. Yeah. All right. Um, Put some rubber uh, test them on it. Yeah, man. Like, you know, brush some dirt on it. Fucking, you know, drink water, move out. Yeah. 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 But like, uh, it's, it's just, uh, I don't know, man. It's a, it's, it's a big, big fucking problem. And then nobody seems to give a shit about it. But the one thing that I was going to, I was going to say, like, you put yourself involved with Save a Warrior. You put yourself involved with MVP, right? Nice. So that's that's kind of the big problem with it is like if I'm suffering from something, I have to pull myself up. I mean, sure, right. I can I can talk to Tyree and I can talk to some of the, uh, my, my other buddies, whatever, and they can like point me in the right direction. They can give me all these resources. You know, they can give me the fucking um, the one source phone number, suicide hotline number, but I have to call it. Right. You know, and, and so that's I think a big problem is it's just people are not people we we know that these these things exist but for whatever reason the individuals are just not going through that and I think it gets to that point where it's like you know I can do this I can tough it up as they're getting ready to fucking end their life I can do this I can I can toughen up I can handle this and then bam so I just I I don't know what the fucking problem is, but, and you know how it is in the army, right? Like we fix everything with a PowerPoint. Well, that shit ain't oh, working. Yeah. Yeah, you know what right. I think it is? I think that, uh, military folks were, we're taught to be tough. We're, we're strong, yeah. hardcore motherfuckers, right? We cannot fail. And <clears throat> here we are in our personal lives. You feel like you're failing and you're taught that you can't fail. And it's like, wait a minute, am I, in my brain, some shit's like malfunctioning because this shouldn't be happening. No man, everyone fails at some point in life. Like it, it's okay. Like yeah. you, you've overspent. Okay, you can stop because you can understand that you've overspent, and then fix it. 
uh, I'm still working on that myself, hardcore. Like if you, for it, for example, you got a DUI, man, so you stop doing that and you put yourself on the right path. Um, it, it's just you got to do what so, you got to do, right? Sometimes it takes that event, that one big significant event, to like unfuck yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but I feel like uh, it shouldn't have to get to that point. I feel like because uh, even like say you out process and you transit, you're trying to get out like you do your not three months civilization or what have you. Uh, no, like I feel like it, it, it takes it's going to take leadership for them to be like, hey, this is the importance of doing this. Because for our process, for me, I didn't care about none of that shit. I just wanted to be go through the out process and do what I got to yeah. do. Check the boxes, call the numbers. Yes, here's a pamphlet, one source, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, cool. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I probably threw that shit as soon as I was done. I didn't fucking need it. I didn't think I needed it or wanted it. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I mean, there's so many resources that is out there, but sometimes you just don't know that they're, they exist. And yeah. the reason why is because sometimes people don't like, communicate the importance of our process and is and hey guess what you know when you come out a couple months from now you might you might freak out a little bit you don't you don't need to uh you might freak out because you know job finances uh mentally yeah, some mental issues that you that you probably are going to start reflecting on stuff that happened but this this is some of the tools that you can use to to be able to help yourself out if this doesn't work there's this if that doesn't work there's that you know because uh just sharing a pamphlet or a number I mean, yeah, it's definitely not gonna help you out. It didn't. It didn't help me out. Um, yeah. And but also too, like as a leader, like myself, and being through that situation, like you know, to tell the next person, the next soldier, the next generation, hey, don't wait for it to get to this point for you to seek help or to you know, it, it's fine. We're all human. We all we all need some guidance. Y'all need a light. You need somebody to point you the right direction, and um, you know, not to fall into that. You know. The negative stigma of mental health is equals being mentally weak, and yeah. you know because I feel like it, it just not across you know the military or the police itself. Because I mean, you look at suicide rates; they're pretty high uh, yeah. among men in general. And yeah. I think that the stigma is being mentally weak. You know, everybody looks at a person that is going through depression or you know any type of situation, and be like, "Oh man, this guy's a fucking." weak ass bitch but mm-hmm. I think that it takes a lot more of a man to say that I'm going through this and I'm fighting this and I'm trying to you know get a hold of this can 100%. you please help me yeah, yeah. speaking yeah, of fights y- you bounce back from your DUI you're a professional fighter now that's your yeah. occupation uh, that's fucking hardcore by the way uh, yeah what is I love it like you, in the face, man. <laughs> you got to harness that <laughs> energy when you're younger so what is it like yeah to step into the ring or walk to the ring with a crowd full of folks cheering for oh, you or booing you uh what is that like uh it's a, i get in a, it's a uh in my endorphins it, it feels it, it feels it fuels me up so much uh, tell you the truth from um it just facing that monster because i think uh prior to a fight you're you already start the closer it gets the more antsy you get right it's mm-hmm. like mike tyson says uh before i step out of the, into the ring i'm fucking scared i'm fucking you know i'm thinking this man's gonna beat me he's gonna defeat me the closer i get the more confident i get and as soon as i step into the ring i'm a fucking god i'm gonna kill this man you know mm-hmm. so for me i kind of <laughs> maybe not to the extent of Mike Tyson because he's a little extreme and then in his mindset. Uh <laughs> yeah, a little. But, yeah. But for but for me, um it was a nervousness of 
Like, I never feared the guy itself beating me. I never thought, like, this guy's going to beat my ass, right? But it's the buildup of getting ready for a fight, losing weight, dealing with, you know, different factors, bills, blah, blah, family, what have you. Mm. And then the closer you get to the fight, the more nervous you kind of feel because then people that you invited or friends and family, like, all right, man, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm call off work today, man, but, you know, don't get don't get your ass beat. Don't get knocked mm. out. Spotlights like, on you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then you know every little thing just starts kind of adding a little bit, mm. but um, and then it's kind of like a fist fight sometimes. Sometimes the most real conversation a man can have with another man or a woman can have with another one, right? When you're in there, just you two, you're looking at each other before the bell rings, and you're looking across the the, the ring. You see him eyeing you, you know, dead stare, and you're looking right back at him. And then you have the crowd to the to the side. You have people that are probably already drinking and friends, and they're screaming your name. And hey, come on, here, and you're just kind of like, all right, you kind of like, kind of try to mute it out a little bit. But you can hear people's voices. Some voices kind of stick out a little bit more than other. And then ding, ding, ding. These guys mm-hmm. running at you. You're running at him. And then you're like, all right, everybody, everybody has a game plan, right? Before a fight, everybody has a game plan. All right, I'm gonna move my jazz. I'm gonna start, beep, beep. All of a sudden, he buzzes you. You're like, oh shit! At that point, it's either you know, fight or you know, flight or, or fight. And then you're in a boxing ring, so you definitely don't want to, you know, you don't want to take off running, right? Yeah. So you gotta answer, you gotta answer that. And all of a sudden, it's like, all right, it's gonna be me. But see, at that moment, when I get when I get hit or whatever, I'm kind of like, all right. You got to grab onto this monster and you got to be ready to, you know, take the punches, but you better give them better. And, you know, you don't want to be the guy that gets knocked out. You don't want to be the, the guy that's getting up saying, oh, what happened? And he's like, yeah, nobody. Yeah. He didn't win. Yeah. <laughs> he got laid out, you know. But um, the adrenaline of, because I've been in fights where I've been knocked down. Uh, my last fight, I got knocked down in the second uh, second, uh, second round. Um, the guy was a uh, southpaw. So our feet is a little unorthodox. And then sometimes when you're used to fighting a certain style, you're used to seeing his power hand come at you from a certain distance. So the southpaw is the opposite. And sometimes you kind of lose, you kind of lose your foot a little bit. I think like I I took a step and when I took a step, my feet were, uh, were, they were straight there. I didn't have my back foot in. So when I took that step, he threw his left hand, boop. Yeah. Went down. It was a. I wasn't like hurt or buzzed. It was a flash knockdown. I got. I, I took a knee a little bit, and I, I wanted to make sure that I was good and I didn't wasn't really hurt. Because sometimes you take a shot and your legs are still not working with you. So I was kind of like, I took a knee. I thought about it. I kind of looked up. I smirked. The crowd was kind of screaming a little bit. Ah! I hear my friends, come on, here, get up. And I was kind of like, all right, I smiled. And I was like, all right, man. So what are you going to do? You got to answer the call now. You're down now. Like, you know, my head, I'm like, you're over here playing around. And now you're down on the scorecards. What are you going to do? I, I got back up. And I kind of, my, my brain just super focused. When you're hurt, your body goes into super focus uh, protection mode. And it went to super focus. And I was kind of like, I hear people speak, ah! And I was kind of like, all right, you know, time, time, we had, you're good, you know, and he, where he messed up, he felt a little bit confident now, he was up in the scorecards, he got down, he seen me looking at him, he kind of like leaned back, it was kind of like, all right, man, what you gonna do, he kind of smiled, and I, I, I kind of jab, jab, put him against the ropes a little bit, and then I threw an overhand right, and he leaned back on it, he was against the ropes, so he couldn't really get away from it too much, plucked him, all of a sudden, he kind of like buckles down a little bit, and I hit him like two more rights, and down he went. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, the crowd, 
<laughs> jumping. <laughs> I mean, you, you got so much adrenaline pumping. Like, I knew. I turned around and looked at him. I knew he was not going to make the count. I don't know why I did it. I've never done it. I've never done it ever. I kissed my, both my biceps. I turned around. <laughs> Man, it was, and everybody started screaming. Fucking so gladiator, like, man. man. Yeah, that was a, yeah, that was a high. Yeah, so that was your last fight. Yeah, that was my last fight. It was uh, towards the end of 2018, 19. Mm. Yeah. So, what really really stopped me from from continuing after that, I was like, you know, in the ring trying to get ready for another one, see if anything uh, happened or lined up for me. And then COVID happened. Oh. Uh, When COVID happened, all the gyms, all the, you know, all these public gyms, you know, you got people sharing sweat and stuff like that. So all these gyms got closed down. And, uh, and, you know, after that, I was like, I didn't know what was going to happen. I wasn't able to go to the gym no more. I couldn't score. I was still running. I was still, you know, I had some boxing equipment in the garage, and I was using that. And I was like, okay, I just got to – they're going to open back up eventually. So I was like, I just got to, you know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready, right? Mm-hmm. Floyd Mayweather says that all the time. And um, and then I, I see something that kind of hit and struck a nerve with me was um, – oh, there was a, like, a little IG video, and the, the, the video says – if you can't do what you're great at today, who are you tomorrow? And and that kind of struck a note to me because I, I asked, I had to ask myself that question. If I'm not good at what I'm good today, then who am I tomorrow? And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm military, I'm a veteran, I'm reserves, um, I'm going to school, fire engineering, try to get you know my my, my degree to, to become a firefighter. But those are all things that I was currently working on. But I couldn't say that I can't say I'm a firefighter. I mean, I'm in the reserves, right? I was like. I haven't even put in my promotion packet. I didn't really care. I was in the, you know, back seat. Basically, I didn't really care for for it too much. So I really challenged myself. I was like, you know what? Now that you know, basically, boxing is kind of. Um, I wouldn't say in the back view window, but I wasn't active. I wasn't actively doing it. I said, let me put a little focus on something else. I was like, let me put focus into, let me get promoted. Let me uh, finish school. And uh, during these last two years, that's exactly what I did. I, um, I, I got uncomfortable with fucking, you know, being uncomfortable. I uh, I was taking five classes at a time. I was actively in the reserves now. I went on ADOS, so I'm, you know, I'm working every day. And um, yeah, I went to AOC. I got a uh, distinguished undergrad. And then I graduated uh, with... Uh, with honors and got my bachelor's in fire engineering. So I was able to apply full focus on that and, um, you know, set it up a little bit. So I haven't been actively fighting, but cause I've been focusing on that, but and that's why I said, I was like, I haven't really, I really haven't hung up the gloves yet. You know, yeah. uh, I feel like every fighter has, a uh, has a last ass weapon that they get before they say, all yeah. right, you know what? I think it's time for me to hang yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I haven't got that. I won my last fight by knockout. So uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see where uh, where where I go from here. Hey, man, more power to you. You're over here kicking life's ass. You can't be in the ring all the time, getting degrees yeah. and shit. Yes, sir. That's good shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Another thing too, I think that uh, another reason why I wanted to do that was because uh, I feel like being an infantry man, you get that uh, you get put in a box, right? Your infantry guys are fucking dumb or this and that. And I was kind of like, and I'm an athlete too, right? So I was like, even in the reserves, people would be like, oh, okay, you know, everybody can run fucking, you know, twelve minute fucking miles. Da da da. Or oh, the reason why this and that. And I was like, dude, everything. You guys think that everything's based on my athletic ability? I'm sure it helps, right? But I was like, uh, let me go to school and give me a little degree and let's see what they say then. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a matter of trying to like beat stigmas, man. I mean, it's yeah. fucking, it's all it is, dude. Yeah. I tell people all the time, <clears throat> you know, like when, when I give a class to people on like battle drills and, and like how to react to contact or when you should break contact, the difference between a near and far ambush and all these different things. And I'm sitting there having to like explain like what every single person in that squad uh, formation or that platoon formation is doing what they're being aware of, how they're tracking their ammo, their fucking water, their equipment, bad guys maneuvering through the fucking urban terrain or the woodland terrain or the desert terrain. Cause it all depends, right? Like where you are right. and how you respond. And so they're trying to explain this to people and they're like, that's a lot of shit to like, think about. I'm like, yeah, that's the infantry. So where motherfuckers sit there and call us like the dumbest people in the fucking army. Like we have so much to think about and we have this much time to think about it. Like it's all split reaction. Um, so I was going to, I was going to kind of ask you like with your experiences as an infantryman and, um, in Iraq and then now like, or, you know, and, and, and then later on in the boxing ring, like, do you kind of feel like you were like that? I know you were, you were into boxing prior to that, but like, do you think that like prepared you more or set you up more for like, I've been through hardships, you know, kind of like what I was talking about earlier. Like, yeah, I've, I've been through worse. Like this guy's going to punch me in the face. I've been punched in the face before. You know what I mean? Like I've got, I've got this and like, I've, I've been through worse. I can handle this. Like I'm built this way. Do you think oh, that's yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, we get a bunch of firefights. You have your adrenaline kind of kicking, right? Mm-hmm. You have adrenaline kind of like, yeah, you fucking blood pumping and you have to react the same way for boxing. Um, uh, you, I've always had it, but when 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 you push comes to shove and you're in, you're in a fist fight for boxing, uh, it definitely um, uh, dude, I've been you know been shot, I've been through war, like you know getting my ass whooped. It's not you know it's not gonna fucking mentally handicap me where I'm just gonna like, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I've I, whenever I've been knocked down, I always get back up. Like I always I always actually smile anytime I've been knocked down because I'm kind of like fuck, he caught me right. Uh, but I think that uh, having the military um, as my foundation has definitely helped me a lot more in boxing because uh, for fight camps, you have to have a certain level of focus and uh, discipline. And I feel like I definitely used uh, foundation, military foundation to to help my, help me out because, you know, losing 15 pounds, um, you know, staying disciplined, food. I was like, I've, you know, that all my, my deployment, all my experiences and past experiences have definitely helped me get ready for fucking a war, a fist fight, because that's essentially what it is. And it's the same thing. Like one mistake can, you know, you can get shot, one mistake or step on ID, not being, uh, being distracted. Same thing for boxing. You take one, one, you, you carry, you drag your hand, all of a sudden you come over the top, hook, you're down. So, um, yeah, it's definitely helped me shave and, um, you definitely, yeah, help me out a lot with boxing for sure. Yeah, I mean, and imagine in your personal life too, right? Like, like going to school and 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 knocking all this stuff out. You said taking like five classes at one time, which is a yeah. huge load on top of being on ADOS orders, on top of everything yeah. else you have going on. Um, and I th- and that is one thing that I think military people have an advantage of over their civilian counterpart is that we are kind of used to, depending on your job, right, and the time that you served, we are kind of used to being slammed with you know, yep. fucking 30 long, 30 hour long days. You know what I mean? And yep. not getting a ton of sleep and just and having to like to em- embrace the suck, so to speak. And then you get into civilian life. You're like, fuck man. Like, <clears throat> you know, where you, I remember sitting in class in college 
before and listening to these kids like oh my god like this class started so early i'm like dude this class starts at 11 <laughs> this, is, this is not early yeah. like, bro like, it's almost lunchtime yeah i've seen i feel like that's all that's been another fight right like for me, for me and it was i mean infantry doing this and that, a lot of it's physically and also mentally right being sleepy praying this and that and not losing your shit or cussing out your platoon sergeant or fucking doing some crazy shit right but uh the school for me was a different challenge because it was more mental and there's plenty of times where i was like man fuck this shit like i'm i'm this is not for me like i can't sit here and um you know be in this class for that long or i can't you know for three hours i remember i used to sit there for like three hours in the class and just be like you know powerpoint presentations right some of them kind of long you'd be like shit and i get up and sit down and i was like man i don't think i can do this but it's like you know everything else like a firefight uh a fist fight firefight it's, it's a fight nonetheless and you got to stay mentally focused you got to look at the what's the what's the long-term objective for this it's to do this okay well how do you prepare for it are you prepared for it so using those simple things that i've that we acquired through the military and what have you definitely you can you can apply to anything across the board it's like yeah. all right what do you need to do what how do you prepare for it how do you get ready what kind of troubles challenges you're going to face and how are you going to deal with them and knock it out one piece at a time and you know just hey keep a nice little shuttle run and before you know it you're you're done with these 10 miles yeah exactly so, yeah for sure yeah i i, I mean it, i wouldn't say it was easy but uh that's def- i use i applied all those tools that i've had and i inquired through the time to to help me to get me through yeah so hey man uh, another good, excellent show. I want to thank you for coming on, man. You started off uh, joining the military, not even telling your folks, going over to Korea, getting in trouble, but figuring out that hey, you love boxing. Uh, you get deployed, and it's a wild deployment. You come back from that, and you get right into boxing, right into that ring because you're a gladiator, you know. Yes, it's sir. nothing to a gladiator. All these tasks that you say you have to do, we're all gladiators. In one way or another, you can do it. Yep. And uh, I want to thank right. I want to thank you for coming on, man. It's uh, always a lot of fun to have uh, friends on, right? It's always fun to talk to buddies. Yeah, man. Appreciate you guys for having me, man. Uh, love conversating with you guys, conversing. Uh, I do hope that some people that that somebody hears this uh, podcast and definitely has some takeaways from it uh, for the for the good. And if anybody needs help or seeks help, um, there's so many different resources out there that's available to them. We're all imperfect humans. We're all working to, you know, be better human beings and not be throwaway humans. Uh, it's never too so late. Seek help. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. Right on, man. Kevin, you got happy holidays. Oh yeah, happy holidays, Kevin. Hey, yeah, uh, yeah, happy holidays. Um, to y'all as well. No, definitely great having you on, man. Really insightful and a lot of really great information and like a super motivating fucking story. That's actually really badass. Like, oh yeah, uh, you know, just listening to him like that's fucking cool, man. That's fucking cool, man. That's you know what I mean. So, um, definitely glad that that we were able to record with you, especially on you know Christmas Eve. Oh yeah, Um, that's a bit. That's big. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually supposed to be at my my dad's house right now, but uh, uh, you know, work first. Um, well, I mean, and this this is important, right? Like, and, and you know, yeah, I, I think I would have felt a little fucked up about it if like you did, if you had like a boring ass story, but like you don't, you know. What I mean? And so, like, when this shit, when this shit airs on Monday, you'd be like, hey, no, no, this 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 was a show like you know like worth recording. You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. yes, I mean, they're not all they're not all great shows. <laughs> Some of them are. They're not all great hey, shows. Man. It was good talking with you guys, man. Feliz Navidad. Merry Christmas. And uh, shoot, talk to you guys soon. Soon later. Yeah, man. Right on. Later, man. I'm going to close this Peace. out.
Thank you for listening to Before I Forget. Please like, listen, share, and subscribe. Now watch. Uh, you can watch us now. I'll watch us on YouTube. You can watch this on YouTube a little bit later. Uh, again, thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing your information. Thank you for staying and listening, listeners. Thank you for staying and watching, watchers. And that's all I got to say. <laughs>